listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. And you're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 213. How's it going, Mark? going awesome, Paige. You know what? This is time for us to do a little public service announcement. Oh, a little PSA? Yep. So if our CEO ever reaches out to anybody in the world, so if the OGGN, Oil & Gas Global Network CEO, reaches out to you, number one, we don't have a CEO. Right. Number two, there are people acting like they work for us and they're scamming our listeners. Yes. Or trying to. Trying. Attempting to. Yeah. So if somebody reaches out to you and says they work for us, reach out to one of the hosts and say, hey, does this person work for y'all? It's really interesting. So we're up to, I think, about 15 people now. But if you go to LinkedIn and looked at the number of employees at Only Gas Global Network, it's how many? 255. Yeah. <laughs> so We've got a model. I don't know if you know that, but we got a model of Baker, like the whole... Hey, maybe we should actually bring the baker and model on payroll. <laughs> I mean, but but folks, just you know, one of the things about us growing is the fact that people want to use our notoriety to try to scam people. So just be careful out there. Luckily for us, or, and lucky for the person that was trying to be taken advantage of, he reached out to us and said, "Hey, your CEO is acting weird." And I had to go. We don't have a CEO. Yeah, <laughs> I own the thing, so I would know if we had a CEO. Right. So just people, be careful. Just common sense, but. Interesting world, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, I had to file a report with LinkedIn and everything. Yeah. And speaking of everything, for for everything else that we do, we didn't get a review last week. Well, well, I mean, we've got tons. But well, we didn't release a show either for, for almost two weeks. Well, no, we released a show. It just, we had issues. We, we've been having technical problems on, the, I, we think it's the Blueberry hosting site. And so several of our podcasts are having the same issues, including oil and gas industry leaders and, and a few others. So yeah, we're trying to work. Show. Yeah, the tech show. I think the onshore show. And HSE. So we're working through that right now. We've got some, we're in contact. We got some with technical them. help, Blueberry. Yeah. Big shout out to Mike Dell over there. Yes, yeah, so everybody that's looking for episodes for the first time, it's not that we didn't do them. We're having tech issues, but, but the team's working on it and it will get resolved. Yep. Let's get into news stories. All right. So the first one is BW reveals fate of kidnapped crew. Yeah, so what was it about three weeks ago yeah. that we reported that there's a pirates that, and actually I got some feedback, people going, no, really pirates? Yes, people, really pirates. They still exist in today's world. They just don't look like Jack Sparrow. No, they just don't look like Jack Sparrow. That would actually might make it even a little more dealable. But anyway, BW Offshore had, they had a floating production storage unit was attacked by pirates off of Nigeria. Nine of their people were taken hostage. Now it looks like all those people are safe and back with their families, thank God. But but companies out there that are doing businesses in the areas where pirate activity is active, including the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean, which you wouldn't think so. Please, 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 people, spend the extra money to make sure your people are protected. This world's a crazy place right now. And, you know, this violence to make money, this violence against crews holding people hostage and holding facilities and, and ships hostage. The easiest way to stop this is to show an overwhelming strength of force that you're not going to let your people or your assets be taken hostage and the pirates go somewhere else. Somewhere, hopefully, once things get closer back to normal, maybe the different governments that are involved in this can maybe band together and help fight pirates. We did that here in the U.S. a long time ago, and, and it looks like it may to be done again. But for now, companies, please just do what you can to make sure your people are safe. I was a, I was a pirate for several times for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I've got did you, pictures. Did you did you attack any drilling platforms or 
floating no. production storage unit? Okay. No, I didn't even go near the water. <laughs> <laughs> I get seasick. <laughs> okay, so you're the type of power that I actually would like to have to deal with. There's the type of power to get seasick. That'd be easy. All you do is accelerate a little bit and you got it throwing up and you can't attack us. <laughs> oh, all right. So next article, Equinor promotes technology chief to CEO to lead clean energy push. Yeah, this is really interesting. So I've, I've been a big fan of Statoil Forever, who not that long ago changed his name to Equinor. I'm in contact with one of their head people in their sustainability renewables business. Big shout to Stephen Bull over there at Equinor. And now it looks like Eldar Satar is retiring after being there for about six or seven years. Anders Opadel, and, and please, people from, from the Netherlands, don't fuss at me for my pronunciation of Dutch. You're doing I, I better. You're doing better it. than me. <laughs> Looks like he's going to take over in November, and he's one of his mandates is to have a, a broader effect on the company, on Equinor, as far as climate change. That's really interesting, Paige. He is an engineer, and our industry as a whole tends to promote engineers because what we do is engineering-centric, right? But with the new world that we're moving into and with Equinor taking the lead, sorry, Shell, and their climate change ambitions, it's really interesting they put an engineer in place. I almost would have thought they would have put somebody with a little bit more business development marketing PR type of uh, That's background. pretty typical. Yeah. But the good thing about him is he's worked all over the company. So he has he understands how what works for Equinor, what doesn't work, how they like to do business. You know, they've done some really cool things. They were one of the first people to take advantage of the downfall of deep salt layers in Brazil. At one point, their second biggest set of, of reserves was in Brazil outside of the North Sea. And so they, they it's, it's interesting to see what's going to happen moving forward. His base salary is only a million dollars. Oh. Which... which I know that sounds like a lot of money, but to run one of the biggest nationalized oil companies in the world, he's actually taking pennies. So what he has is a variable pay plan instead of taking a big salary based upon how well the company performs. So if the company does great, he'll get paid more. If the company doesn't do great, he'll get paid less. I love that idea of, of a leader of a company going, you know what? I don't want the $20 million. I'll just take a million. But if, if I do good for the employees and the shareholders, you can pay me a little bit more. Man, if they can only implement that into Congress. <laughs> Jeez, that's not even good down sorry. that route. <laughs> but it is interesting. They're still pushing really hard with their climate pledge. They're pushing really hard into renewables. They're talking about reducing the amount of, of carbon that their energy products emit by a, another 50%, which is hard to even see how that's going to be attainable. But, you know, it's a lofty goal. So, you know, welcome to Equinor. Hope to see you really prosper. And, uh, you know, kind of sad to see... Eldenor Satir leave. He he's did a really good job. He was very rooted into the business of Equinor, kind of stayed away from the politics, and he made a lot of his decisions based upon what his team saw the future bring, and he did really good. They have a big presence here in Houston, so you know we wish everybody there the best. Let's see what happens. All right, so OPEC pressures Iraq to take deeper cuts as noncompliance continues. Yeah, we can't talk about OPEC without talking about Iraq. So Iraq has been the... Page, don't take this as an insult. The Iraq, Iraq has been the redheaded stepchild of OPEC for extremely long time. I don't take right? offense to that. Yeah, they were the rogue player, right? They were the rebel. Everybody said go left and they would go right. Everybody said go up in production, they would cut production. On top of all the strafe and civil warfare they've had and, and it has destroyed their, literally, not only their infrastructure, but common stuff like sewage and electricity for its people and everything. In fact, in the article, you finally talk about how right now Iraq can't produce no electricity during this heat to keep 
parts of its city even cool, right? And so they're, they're really struggling. And for the first time in a long time, there was actually a, a joint call between Saudi Arabia and, and Iraq, which is, believe it or not, that almost never happens. They don't like to talk to each other. And they've act- actually agreed to, to pull Iraq in on production numbers, especially the cuts. So for Iraq to actually agree in public that they're, they're going to fall in line just gives OPEC strength. You have to remember, the strength of OPEC is, is its cartel. Its strength is all its members agreeing and then doing what everybody agreed upon. And so Iraq has always been the kind of one-off, and now they're stepping back in line. Now, I am curious... Are they really stepping back in line, or are they just saying they're stepping back in line? A lot of the politics that go on in OPEC with the different members is they say one thing and they do something else. And sometimes when they do something else, nobody knows about it, not even the country itself, because it's so buried in in secrecy. And so, you know, sometimes there's production going on nobody knows about. The rest of Iraq doesn't know about Iraq needs revenue. It needs to be able to start rebuilding its infrastructure. It needs to be able to feed its people. I'm kind of thinking that. You know, there may have been a conversation that was at public and, and basically, you know, Saudi Arabia said, look, you need to fall in line or else. I don't think they've ever made that threat public. I don't know if they made the threat this time, but it is interesting to see Iraq fall in line. With Iraq fall in line, it just strengthens OPEC, which right now is going to help everybody because we can start getting prices up. In the future, I still think OPEC's days are numbered. But, you know, for the short term, this is a good thing that Iraq is, is compliant. Well, speaking of all that, is the OPEC... Alliance coming to an end is the next article that we're you're going to cover. So I've been saying this for I don't know how many years that that OPEC's strength, its chokehold on on the world crude oil market has disappeared. It's still very powerful, still one of the biggest producers out there. Their cost of production is so low. They have a social cost, and nobody ever figures in all that. But they still have a lot of strength, a lot of political strength, a lot of financial strength. But you got you got us and, and Russia that are in some ways equals, in some ways better. You know, both us and Russia don't have that social cost. You know, OPEC has to keep its young people working or they will radicalize and, and all the different governments and monarchies know that. And so that cost has to be paid. They, they have all these programs where they construction, all kinds of other stuff. We don't have that here. Russia doesn't have that either. So even though they can produce cheaper, their actual total cost of production in some fashions is actually higher than what goes on in Russia. Now, right now, it's crazy in our, in our shale fields, but once things get back to normal there and you have the bigger players coming and driving efficiencies with all the new tech, you know, we'll be able to, I think, actually outproduce economically both Russia and OPEC. But the problem right now with OPEC is we're in a low crude price market. And when so everybody's starving, it's easy for everybody to agree so they can get fed, right? All right. What happens when everybody's wealthy and rich and there's food everywhere? When oil gets back to $60, $65 a barrel, well, now the incentives to work together start disappearing. And I think we'll go back to the same old OPEC where the left hand's not doing what the right hand's asking. And every time that happens, that allows us in Russia to capture a little bit more market share, and which is gradually chipping away at, at OPEC's base. And, and OPEC knows that. You're seeing them try to counter that by getting different parts of the value chain. So up until say seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, they just sold crude oil and that was all they needed to do. Now they're building ethylene crackers. Now they're building fuel refiners. Now they're being petrochemical plants. Now they're looking at tourism, right? They're doing everything they can to diversify their income so that 
as OPEC disappears, which I think they know it's going to happen, and I think it's going to happen, it's not the big financial slap in the face as it would be if they didn't have other revenue sources. So this is actually a pretty good article. This is in Oil Price. Good uh, Oil Price tends to have some good writers that do their research. But let's just keep an eye on this because history has taught us over and over and over again, if there's a common enemy, alliances form, they stick together. Think of World War II, Right. But when there's no common enemy, in this case, low crude prices, alliances tend to fall apart. And I, I think it's what I know that's what's happened to OPEC. It's just a matter of when. Okay. So next one is black swans and gray rhinos building future resilience. You know what a gray rhino is? A gray rhino. Yeah. No. Big beast of the horn that will run into your truck. And well, yeah, it. yeah, I know. Yeah. And like, like, but that. there's another gray rhino. And that gray rhino is something that's highly probable, has a big impact, but nobody sees the threat. Right? Mm. That's what that gray rhino means. So it's something that's not random, but it's a big threat and a lot of people don't see it. So what they're talking about here is the fact that sustainability is going to be a gray rhino in this article in the recovery of what's happened with the oil and gas industry. And so as we start to recover from this black swan event and the black swan this is a double black swan event. One black swan was the low crude prices caused by the fight between Russia and OPEC. The other black swan was the unbelievably reduction in demand of refined products because of the world lockdown because of COVID-19. Now, now they're laying over a gray rhino, which is that sustainability is something that's huge, can make a big impact on our industry, but nobody's really paying attention to it like they should. I actually disagree with this article. So I think sustainability, ESG, that type of stuff used to be a lot of PR and investor relations gobbledygook. Now companies are taking it to heart because they know they have to. You know, when indigenous tribes or local citizens stop a pipeline project being built, now you got to take notice and now you got to actually deal with those people. The old way of dealing with them to buy them off, to basically make them happy with money doesn't work anymore. Now people feel like they want to be a part of something bigger and social media makes that even more invasive. So you know, you're looking at a lot of venture capital companies, a lot of investors looking at the ESG metrics of companies. We actually, for our first Friday Q&A in September, we already have a question from a bank, a Japanese bank about this exact thing. Oh, that's thing. neat. Yeah. And so in this article, they talk about how digitalization and technology is, is something that's helping the oil and gas industry hit their sustainability objectives. 100% agree. Absolutely. But we've always worried about the environment, at least here and in Europe, and, and the rest of the world's catching up too. And so the one thing I don't like about this article is they act like we've never worried about the environment, that we didn't really care, and now we're being forced to do that because of investor bias toward ESG type of metrics. That's not true at all. You know, you spill an ounce of crude in the Gulf of Mexico, that's an instant. You got to report it. You got to mitigate it. Well, like, 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 like nothing. Like, like I literally mean an like, ounce. Yeah. Like, an ounce, like, like a yeah, shot glass. Exactly. Right? You go to some truck stop anywhere in the world where they've been refilling diesel trucks for 100 years. You know how many millions of gallons of diesel spilt in the ground that nobody cares? We, we don't do that. Same way with safety in our, in our industry. Same way with responsibility to the, the local communities we operate in. I mean, literally, we had the Permian Perspective podcast even all these during all these bad times because Baker Hughes wants to, the people that live in the Permian area to know that they're there for the long haul. They're not there to make money. They're part of the community. And so I, I disagree with the fact that you know, the oil and gas industry doesn't look at environmental, social, governments, at sustainability as something that's important. We've changed how we looked at it. That's for darn sure because it's starting to affect our ability to operate around the world. But I think we've we've always wanted to be responsible and we've always tried to be responsible. And quite honestly, I think we're more responsible than a lot of other industries out there. So, you know, if you want to read through about the balance between 
investment dollars and sustainability goals and the consideration of local communities you can operate in. This is a pretty good article. I just disagree with it. I I think our industry has always played a part in this. And I think we're playing a bigger part more and more as we move forward, which is the right thing for us to do. Right. All right. So the next article is cost of shale gas drilling permits in Pennsylvania jumps 150%. 150%. That is insane. You know, I breezed through this article, and here's the part that really, really bothers me. So this is the Department of Energy Protection of Pennsylvania. It's a state-run agency that issues permits. A large part of how they get the budget to run themselves comes from the fees from well permit applications, right? So a cause and effect. The cost of shell, uh, gas drilling permits in Pennsylvania jumps 150% because the revenue for this, asso- this state association has dropped so much. And it bothers me because you're a state association. You should be helping our industry. You should not be jacking the prices of permits in a time when we're all hurting. There's other ways for you to fund yourself internally. You, you, you're you part of the state, right? Y'all can move money around. And I know it's not easy as me. Well, take an example from Texas. I mean, come on now. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, I was so just to, to go over what they charged prior to was uh, what $5,000 for non-vertical unconventional wells and 4200 for vertical unconventional wells. Now it's 12500 That's insane. That's so I, I was like, man, in my days when, when, when we'd get APDs, which is an application for permit to drill and all that stuff, I don't ever remember anything costing that much. So I looked up what it costs in Texas, and it's anywhere between 200 and 250 bucks plus a surge charge. Louisiana, 1264 So $1,200. Yeah. Okay. Bureau of Land Management on public lands and Indian reservations, 10230 Now, Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement, they do deep water operation plants. That's thirty five ninety nine. That's and for a deep water well that, on a conventional reservoir. Well, and that's just, just for the deep water operation plan. Then you have your APD, which is 2100 and then a permit to modify, that is $125. So... That's pretty ridiculous for the federal government to be lower than a state. That's, that's a sad, but it's, it makes your point very well. Well, yeah, that's exactly why I looked all this up because I was just like, I was floored. So Department of Environmental Protection of Pennsylvania, what are y'all doing, right? You're home of the uh, Utica and Marcellus. That's one of the few places that are still profitable for natural gas. You're jacking up the rates. You could put more of the independent operators who are barely holding on out of business. You know, if I live in that state, however that board, whether it's voted in or it's appointed or whatever, they would hear about this. And I would put a coalition together to, to get this turned around. You're going to cut production in a time in history where the natural gas industry is hurting. The, the crude oil part of our industry is really hurting. You know, you're going to hurt the small independents who live in your neighborhood, who's probably your neighbor, right, that donates money to your school's Little League team and everything else. It looks like the Marcella Shell Coalition is saying they are the highest fees in the United States, and they're calling for the Department of Environmental Protection to strongly urge them to put the pricing back that is more sustainable. You know, this is just wrong, and and I, and I get it, right? You, you want to be able to pay for yourself. You work for state government. You don't think you have any choices because you're having less people apply for permits, but going up on the price is not the answer. You need to find another answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So Railroad Commission seeks public comment on flaring rule changes. So this is actually really good. You know, flaring, if you don't know what that is, is basically when you're drilling a well and also when you're in production, if you have natural gas that you can't do anything with, you basically burn it off. 
That sounds very wasteful. It's actually very good for the environment. It's much better than d- dumping the gas into the atmosphere without burning it because then you're dumping all the methane and all the other gases in there raw. Whereas if you burn it, you just have a few small particulates that come out. Still not the best thing in the world. And so the state of Texas actually took a look at this based upon public input and some changes in technology. And you go, you know what? We're just not going to randomly give you a flaring permit like we used to. Now we're going to tighten down on the restrictions and we're going to tighten down on the length of time because we want to try to force companies without hurting them from an economic point of view. We want to force them or push them toward capturing that gas and using it. And you can use it for all kinds of stuff. You know, the especially in the Permian part of Texas, the pipelines that captured that well gas is becoming that infrastructure coming more and more mature so now it's easier to tap into those pipelines you can use it to run gen sets there's a bunch of companies out there that have gen sets that are made to run with that really nasty well gas without <laughs> hurting the generator so now you're using it to produce electricity and there's at least three companies i know of that are using that almost free electricity from well gas to power bitcore mining Right. And mm-hmm. so, so how cool is it that somebody's dropping off a sea can full of high performance computings run off of well gas and gensets mining bitcoins? There's another revenue stream in the future for the, the owner of the mineral rights and for the operator. So I just think it's cool that Texas is stepping up like they always do and saying, you know what? It's time to change the rules and regulations just enough to push everybody toward a cleaner environment. Right thing for them to do. They're doing it in a way that's not hurting anybody long term wise. And and they're looking forward. They're looking at, you know, where do we want to go with this? And where we want to go with this have zero flares in Texas and not just in Texas, but in the country and eventually worldwide. It's it's something that we have the technology abilities now to eliminate. And and part of that is the infrastructure. I do realize that of the pipelines, and I do realize that a lot of the world doesn't have infrastructure there, but we're going down the right direction. I just Proud of Texas for leading charge. Yeah, and and if I recall, and it's been a while, but last time I, I think I got one of those permits, it wasn't it wasn't easy to get in the first place. So they're just they're cracking down a little extra. So you can't just you can't just have one. Yeah, I love that. Good. So the oil and gas industry is going remote. Imagine that. Do you think they watched our last live stream? <laughs> <laughs> they wrote the article. <laughs> so Irina, yeah, that's exactly what they did, Mark. So Irina Slav, a great article in oil price, but. But did you listen? You know, one one of the things you don't know, Paige, is there actually is a company, I'm not going to mention its name, starts with a V as in victory, that did monitor our live stream and quoted us like 30 different things to put together their own white paper based upon our experts at our last live stream to sell their product or service. No kidding. Yeah. What a compliment. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. It's public information. I don't really, I, I don't mind them doing it. And like I said, it's kind of a compliment. I'll, I'll show it to you. But it's the, it's kind of the coolest thing in the world that another company in another country listened oh, to Oh, cool. Li- That's yeah. even better. Yeah, listen. They're from France. Oh, Listen nice. to our live stream to get the facts and the data to make their white paper. Très bien. It'd be funny if I called them and go, we made all that stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Which we didn't. We, Joke's we, on you. We didn't. So this is a good article about the industry wanting to have more remote operations and being forced to have more remote operations. And it's really cool. They they talk about Google and Facebook. We had a, a Google on just recently on the tech podcast, although that episode has won't be released probably for three weeks or more. We have not had Facebook on there. That's that's a new one. May have to reach out to Zuttenberg, see if he wants to come on the show. No, I'm good. No, you're good. <laughs> no. He's a creeper too. Yeah. I'm not a big Facebook user, but but I do use it and, and the amount of of good guesses they make about me is super scary. And that's sort of what this article is about. Not about being super scary, but using technology to make good guesses. Those good guesses will then help us operate with less and less people, and especially with less and less people in the dangerous jobs. You know, a lot of people 
worry about their jobs being taken over by technology. And quite frankly, there are some jobs that will be taken over by technology. I'm not, I mean, it's just the truth. But we're going to create more jobs that will be lost by this technology, and it makes it better, safer, and actually more enjoyable. So it's going to make the, the oil and gas worker more of a knowledge worker than a, a physical worker. So instead of having somebody out there snubbing pipe, which, which still goes on, you have the machines do it. But the guy that used to snub pipe can sit at home, look at three different monitors, and make sure the machines are doing it right without ever leaving his living room, right? So he's turned into more of a knowledge worker. And then, you know, we're and with in total transparency, I sit on the board of Realware, but you know, we're right plugged into all of the technology and hardware it requires you to have remote workers do work. So it's really cool. So we have our buddies Baker Hughes told Wall Street Journal that 40% of its users of remote operations since the start of the year were first-time users. Now, think about that. So almost half of their users of remote operations were the first time they used it, which means for the first time, our industry is being forced to do remote operations, and people are going, this is cool. I didn't know we could do this. I've never done this before. So all the service companies are going down the route, Slumberjay, Halliburton, Baker Hughes, Weatherford, whatever is going to be left of Weatherford. I love y'all, by the way. And so, I mean, this is the reason you're seeing all the tech companies come in is this, this push toward remote operations, digital operations, higher technology. Just a really good, well-written article that does look like somebody listened to our last live stream, but <laughs> <laughs> it's totally okay. People really, you ought to actually read through this because, you know, it gives you some ideas of what's coming in the future. And so, you know, if you're a, a mud logger right now and you're worried about what's coming down the road, read this article. It gives you a lot of good pointers of some little bits of job skills you can pick up to make you to make you a better fit for the new digital workforce that, that's happening right now. Still, Paige, I want to see what Facebook's doing, but you know, we won't invite them on the show. <laughs> <laughs> they can go on your tech watch, show. Watch, now my Facebook feeds can be all messed up forever. <laughs> <laughs> they can go on the tech show. But... I'd, I'd actually really love, I really would like to get them on the tech show. So if anybody out there is, is working for Facebook, because I didn't know y'all were even part of this. I knew Google was and Amazon and IBM and Microsoft. And, didn't know, Zuckerberg go on to a, onto a platform? A, rig a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah. yeah. But in all sincerity, I would love to talk about what you're doing, Facebook, in the oil and gas industry, and give you some exposure because nobody knows that you're you're nobody that I know knows you're doing this, and and we have the only oil and gas tech podcast I know of, so you'd think we would know. But you know, good stuff. The future's bright for our industry. You know, I've said this for years, and everybody said I cr I'm crazy, but I think in the future our industry is going to look like Silicon Valley. It's going to be sexy, fast, high tech with a flexible workforce, and this is a good article about how we're starting to get there. All right. So next article, 2022 should benefit from pent up demands for rigs. Yeah. So this is this is almost common sense, right? So nobody's drilling right now, both onshore and offshore, which means that the production the, the production that we're doing now is coming from already completed wells. You know, you hear us talk about land all the time. Actually, you can't have a duck offshore, can you? Can you? Can you have a, a drilled well that's uncompleted offshore? I think so. Yeah. Hey, if we got any geophysicists or geologists or petroleum engineers out there, let us know that because on land, I can easily see how you can drill a well, cap it, and then it basically is static until you go to complete it. But I would think offshore with all the weight of that water, I don't know. I, actually, I don't know. I would love somebody I to- I mean, to, yeah, you put in the final cement plug and then you go to do an acid wash and I think I'm saying the right stuff. Well, it's you, been a really long time. No, that's right. You could see, put a cement plug yeah, in and yeah, do it. Yeah, acid wash. And yeah. Acid wash is, is a way for them to help recover more of the, the reservoirs. Anyway, if we have anybody acid, there that knows yeah. the answer to that, let me know. Can you have a duck offshore? But basically, getting back to the story, nobody's drilling right now. You have all these wells that they're in production. 
as it always happens, and it's a much longer decline curve on conventional reservoirs than it is for unconventionals, but at some point, that reservoir starts declining and you have to drill new wells, just the nature of the beast. And so this, this article is basically saying that that demand to start drilling new wells will start just going up very hard in 2022, which is only a year and a half away. And, and I, I agree with them 100%. Now, the interesting thing is everybody stacked offshore rigs, so cold stacked a lot of rigs. And I think what's going to happen in, in a year and a half or so, instead of both on land and offshore, instead of them bring these rigs back to specs and, and put them out on contract, I think they're going to scrap them. I think the advantage of building new rigs, a higher horsepower, more autonomous, more things like automatic pipe handling, multiple derricks, I think is going to make the rig industry build new rigs instead of bringing old rigs out of mothballs. So if that happens, you could be talking about a jump in efficiencies by 20 25% with a new rig versus a, a, you know, a 10-year-old rig. So if I'm right about that, the actual growth in the need for rigs and new rigs has caused a boom in construction. It takes a shipyard and a whole bunch of welders and pipe fitters and electricians to build a new rig. So I'm actually thinking when I'm looking at our predictions for the end of this year for 2021, that this might sneak its way in there. That, that I think there might be a big jump in the need for skilled labor to build rigs all around the world. So we'll keep an eye on this, but this is a good article in Seeking Alpha page. Found a good one. Yeah. It's giveaway time, isn't it? It's giveaway time. What are we giving away? Shirts. <laughs> Just shirts, like random shirts? IBM shirts. IBM shirts, which are definitely not random shirts. They're starting to become maybe not the cult item that the offshore bag did, but they're starting to become a cult item. If you want to win one of these almost cult item t-shirts, it's really easy. Go to the link in the show notes, click on it, enter your information. We give away one a week. These shirts are really cool. We spent a lot of money on them. They're cut for men and women. The big thing is that that unique serial number on the, on the chest part of the shirt. And we are giving away stuff. Paige. The first box of swag arrived yesterday. Uh -oh. So we actually have it, people. So if you have a shirt, write down that number. Keep it close. If you don't have a shirt, go register to win. And if you don't win, just go the next week and register again. You can register every week. But very soon, we're going to have some cool stuff out. And looks like we switched to the rig count by Baker Hughes. Yeah, which is a little confusing because there's like three numbers. Let's oh. give our audience all three numbers. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. So drilling info provides the some numbers to Baker Hughes. So I was oh, I saying this. That. I didn't know that either until I read the rig count. And Are we better off just going back to drilling info? No. So this is the difference. So there's actually U.S., Canada, and international. So in the U.S., it's 247. Okay. Canada, 47. Okay. International, 743. I actually like that split more. Let's keep using it. I like that, that split much better. Yeah. Yeah. So not much down. Actually, Canada gained two. I think we're down four in the U.S. and down 38 internationally. Speaking of down 38, it won't happen anymore with the street team. Guess what, Paige? I did something you don't even know about. That's that's, that's not awesome. that's not new. <laughs> that's not anything out of the ordinary. So the new face of the company, Warren, the host of the Long Ass Pitch Podcast, is now taking over the street team. He, oh, that oh, he's so energetic, guys. <laughs> so street team. I know we've given you no love for I don't know how many years we've had y'all, and it's totally my fault. Warren's going to start setting up, I think, monthly online calls. He's going to start giving away cool stuff. He's going to make sure you get the swag. He's the person you can reach out and ask questions to if, you, if there's anything going on you want to know. So now we have a face to the street team. If you haven't joined the street team, now is probably a good time to go join. You go to the Facebook, search for OGGN Street Team. Actually, OGGN ST to be exactly. Okay, search for OGGN ST, and you have to answer a couple questions, right? Yep. And then you're a member, and you're approved. I think the first thing we may start giving out, like literally next week, is hard hat stickers. 
Ooh. Nobody has hard hats, OGG and hard hat stickers except my crew or street team. Actually, they're all on my desk. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so actually, street team, it's now time for you to get something that nobody else has. And then speaking of stuff that nobody else has, it's, it's sign up for monthly events newsletter because we have not been pushing it out because there's been no events. So uh, are we pushing out September? September. Okay. September. So cool. it's going to start back up in September. And by the way, people, this is going to be a new time for us you know typically in the events newsletter it's all the conferences and expos and all that sort of stuff most of the stuff that's going to be in the new one is going to be online events so if your company has a webinar or a learning series or, or any type of event that might be helpful to our audience let me know just reach out to me and we'll get a newsletter for free nothing salesy now nothing well i won't let you sell stuff but yeah nothing salesy but if it's useful and valuable if, you know, if you're doing a, a webinar on what your product or service does, that doesn't have to be, that's fine. It doesn't have to be, as long as it's not pushy, you know, you, if you can educate your audience. So people reach out to me if your company's doing stuff. We want to make this newsletter valuable for everybody. Then travel, we're not doing any of that. But I did have another company reach out to me this morning and want me to attend one of their company gatherings virtually. So if that's of interest to you, you have access not just to me, but the entire OGGN team of experts. So let let us know if you want any of our people to come talk to your group, however that works out best, we'll, we'll make it work. And then first Friday Q&A, you know the drill, go to allandgasthisweek.com, ask a question. If we use your question on the air, you get a big shout out. The goal is not to stump Paige and I. And Ludovic, you're limited to two questions. No, he's limited to one. One one question to make it fair for everybody else. Although we do love you to death. And then while you're out there, you know, for the first time, I'm going to tell you not not to go to the website and sign up. It looks like our marketing team is about to launch a new OGGN website, like literally in the next week. Oh, cool. When that happens, the individual websites will disappear and everything will then take place on OGGN. So at that, at that point, I'll ask you to go to the OGGN website and, and sign up. Then LinkedIn, our LinkedIn page is growing like crazy. We're over 40,000 followers. Go ahead and go add your name to the and list. And 255 employees. <laughs> 255 employees. <laughs> yeah, folks, don't say you work for us on LinkedIn. but Because but, I will find you. Yeah. Damn. So we covered a lot today, didn't we? Yeah, we really did. Uh, you ready to get out of here? Yeah. So remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. And here are our events on deck. Hey everybody, Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on, but we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.